Now let's bring in Ray Ferraro, our TSN hockey analyst. What's happening, Ray? Not much. I'm just listening to that, uh, you know, about the home ice. And two things popped up for me. Um, Brad Treliving, who was the new GM in Calgary, of course, he, he mentioned something last week. He said, uh, uh, you know, our identity is hard work, but that can't be enough. But you have to have hard work. And I thought that was pretty interesting, you know, because you, you keep hearing from, from Brian Burke there, you know, truculence and, you know, we're going to be physical, we're going to be aggressive, we're going to hit people. And, and Treliving is saying that's great, we are going to be that, but it's not enough but it's a place to start because that at least you can control. But I thought the, the, you know, the second step to that from him being, we've got to add skill. We've got to be able to score because it can be a really hard place to play and they smack you all over the building. But at the end of the night, if you beat them four one every night, then that's no good either. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And the second thing about the ACC is I think guys, they're going to, they're going to always battle there the way the building is set up, having a great atmosphere in there. I mean, maybe if the team is unbelievable, the fans will come out from watching TV in the first part of the period, but maybe they won't. And, and that's, that's tough to generate noise and momentum when, you know, everywhere you look around, there's nobody sitting there. But that's just a byproduct of how they built the building. Well, exactly, and, and the clientele that's down there. You know, you've got a lot of business people, um, and I've always said it. Listen, it's not their fault. You pay the money, you do whatever you want. Like, you know, we yeah. yell and scream, oh, we should be down there, let the real fans in. Well, the real fans don't have 450 bucks a pop for a ticket. And, you know, if they want to sit there and drink wine in the background, it sucks, but it's their rights. There's nothing you can do about it. And, and you know, I, I heard once, uh, you know, the... The passion of the hockey fan is in inverse proportion to what they pay for their ticket. And so, you know, the, the people that pay the least in the building, they're the ones screaming their brains out. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, the other ones are having a, having a sip of wine while the game's going on. Ray, how should the Maple Leafs approach some of the decision-making going forward? I mean, they have some of these young prospects that look like they're ready to maybe step in and get an opportunity, and the veterans on the one-year deal. I mean, we saw guys like Mason Raymond last year score 20 goals for a non-playoff team, and then he moved on to Calgary on a three-year deal. David Boland came here, and he essentially took Joel Colburn out of this lineup so he could go to Calgary. He played here one year, and now he's in Florida. So how much sense does it make to have these veteran guys have this as kind of a platform to extend their career where you can have young guys play the positions and develop? Well, if you think that the player's in there for one year, you know, like if, if look at the guys they signed for one year, David Booth and um, Winnick. I, I think uh, Contiola might be in a different category. Um, but, you know, Booth and and Winnick for in particular, um, I, I found it a little bit curious to sign them um, unless you know that you're going to keep them and you have a plan for them because I, I would be much more inclined to have a player that has no rights past this year anyway, and that would be your young guys. Like, where are they going to go? They're going to be restricted free agents. If you think... Like, I can't tell you if Carter Ashton's an NHL player or not, but he dressed in an NHL sweater 40 times last year. And he played two minutes a game. I mean, I don't know if he's a player or not. But I would want to find out. The danger becomes, once you get through camp here, if you if you side to the veteran guy, the young guy goes on waivers. The veteran guy you could put on waivers, and 
I don't think they're going to get picked up, but somebody might pick up a young guy. Is somebody going to stampede to the front of the line to pick up Daniel Winnick? I mean, he was unsigned into August. They could have had him for free anyway. The only way they get picked up is if somebody sustains an injury. Yet, Winnick could be an effective player for you. But if you... The balancing act's tough because, let's face it, Carlisle's got to win this year. I mean, I guess every coach has to win at some stage, but he's got to win some games. And I can't imagine they're going to take a leap of faith on a young guy they're not sure on if they have a more of a known quantity in, in one of these veterans. I agree. And, you know, Ray, going into the season, we were just talking about, uh, before you came on, clean slate. That seems to be the currency out there. You know, is there any way in your mind you can believe that guys like David Clarkson, Dion Phaneuf, uh, you know, the polarizing guys for the Toronto Maple Leafs, in fans' minds and media minds, do they have a clean slate, or is it preconceived notions going into the season? Well, I don't think they can have a clean slate, and I don't think it matters. Um, what does it matter, really, to the Maple Leafs, what, what we think or what somebody writes or somebody speaks about um, or blogs about why, why would it even matter to them? The clean slate has to be, look, in the, in the organization, if you have David Clarkson and you have Dion Phaneuf and you're instituting a new defensive system and you have a, uh, a style of play that is going to attempt to be different than last year, the only place a clean slate matters is with the coaches. If the coaches still have that old picture in their head, it's really difficult to break and we know, the three of us should know this, because we, I'm sure at times in our career where you're battling ghosts, you're battling things that you used to be, but the word's out, and you've got to, you know, for me it was, you know, oh, gee, he's too small, he loses puck battles. Well, every time I lost a puck battle, I felt like this ghost from the past was, was there, as opposed to, well, I just lost a puck battle, that particular puck battle. A big guy might have to battle the ghost of G's not nimble enough or not agile enough when in reality he might be better than that. But if it is still there in the coach's minds, then it's really difficult to, to, to smack it out of their minds because they, they had, that's their fallback position. Who would you play with Dion Phaneuf? Um, hmm. I would probably start with, if health-wise, uh, probably Robida. Yeah, yeah, I would too. Because Dion's he's he's playing on the left side, right? Like they're gonna yeah. give yeah, it a how shot. How much sense does it make to put a guy who just had two leg surgeries and is 37 years old to log all those minutes and say you're now our first pairing shutdown guy? That's the concern you have right now. With this so why team. would you start with it? Well, I don't well, know. Well, I don't. I don't. Man, if they're if they're attempting to have a, a shutdown pair that's playing. 25 or 7 minutes a night. I, I think, in my opinion, they're going about it the wrong way. But you can't play Roman Polak 25 minutes a game, guys. No. Yeah. And and people are going to find this out if they don't know that. You I don't know if they play, have a defenseman they can play 25 to 27. Why don't they just do it by committee? That's That, to me, is, is the way it has to be, and it's gonna it should change night to night. The two guys that are most capable of playing 25 minutes for them are not ready to do so yet, in my opinion, and that's Riley and Gardner. And I think they both can get to that, into that, you know, mid-20s range, you know, 23, 25 minutes. I think they'll get there. But, but right now you have, if you look at the right side with Franzen and Polak and, um, and Robida, 
those minutes have to be have to be relatively even. I, I don't I don't see a horse that's playing twenty five minutes a night on that side of the ice. And so their their defense is is their biggest question mark this year. I you know I I don't see somebody emerging from the shadows and you know and and taking a lion's share of those minutes. And so committee really is is really probably where they have to start and, and hope that that's good enough. How do you handicap the chances of Morgan Riley fast-tracking? I mean, sometimes a guy just shows up, a Jonathan Tays the second year, they're just already a good player. How do you handicap yeah. the chances of that happening for this player? You know what? I, oh, I, last year at the start of the year, I was a little bit on the side of, you know, I, I know they, they don't want to send them back, but, you know, nothing can be... You know, nothing will be lost if you do. Mm-hmm. And then I watched him play and watched him play, and he kept hanging around. And you're like, man, this kid's really good. Mm-hmm. And Oh, and his, he looks really good. And his pulse rate is like zero. Like, he doesn't ever get flustered there. He doesn't. He comes back to the bench. He, he looks like he's sitting and watching a movie in front of him. You know, he's not, like, panicky and looking around and yelling at guys. And he just kind of does his thing. So to answer your question, I think he's on a fast track to being their best defenseman. Mm-hmm. I, I I have it wouldn't shock really me by Christmas for him. It wouldn't shock oh, me by I, Christmas. I I don't see anything that I don't like about him. The kid is the kid is built like a steamroller. You know, I mean, he is thick and strong, and he skate. He's a magnificent skater. Shoots the puck well. He's bold in his play. Yet, unlike Gardner, he doesn't have the, the high risk end to his game. You know, Gardner is going to, I think Gardner will always have a little bit of, oh, hey, that worked out all right. I think there's a little bit of that to Gardner. I don't think there's that to Riley. I said this last week, and I understand that a lot of pressure is going to be on Morgan Riley anyway, and it's probably unfair to him to suggest that, that he may be kind of the determining factor, the X factor. But I think he, he may end up being just that in terms of a make-or-break season for this team. And by that definition, they either make the playoffs or they don't. If he can take heat off Dion Phaneuf, if he can spread the minutes out, if he can be a top-four guy and evolve as a player, take that next step, because he was already quality last year as a 19-year-old, if he plays 82 games where he has boosted his confidence, created more of an overall game, um, that's what they need. I mean, they need the defensive help. That's the biggest problem that they were facing a year ago. And in a mediocre Eastern Conference, it's crazy to say it, but I think you could argue that Morgan Riley is, is going to determine, maybe more than any other player outside of goaltending, how this season plays out. Well, I, I don't think he's that dissimilar to Dougie Hamilton in Boston in that you know you can you can see the high end potential to their to their abilities. The difference is, and when Dougie Hamilton would stumble around a bit in Boston, they would have Dennis Seidenberg and, and Zidane Ochara there. Yeah. And and so, you know, you I think you can kind of overlook that both Hamilton and even Tory Krug had stretches last year that were you know, they they were just out of sorts and heck, everybody goes through it and certainly on defense they go through it. But they but the Bruins were good enough to to shield that and to hide that and to give them a little bit of a soft landing and you know, for Riley and Gardner in particular, I don't know where the soft landing is. It's it's them or then what? Yeah, you know, well, that's true. You know, and, and so that's that's a really fine line uh, for them 
to play with. And I, I mean, when I look at the Leafs, they're like organizationally, they they have some people coming on the blue line, but they're really young and they're American League guys still. And they, you know, uh, Petter Granberg's probably going to be a guy that's right in the mix here. And, and he may surprise somebody. He's big and he's pretty physical and had a really good year, but he's one year in North America. I, I think he is a, the type of player that can push his way onto a Leaf defense in rather short order. If you look at the Boston's defense core, I think we could all agree there's probably not room for two Tory Krugs on that team. You know, the skill guy, the power play quarterback. So if Morgan Riley does fast track and become that that guy, is there an argument that maybe in the future there might not be room for a Jake Gardner and a Morgan Riley on the same defensive core? Uh, the difference being for me is I think Krug is closer to being a power play specialist Okay, maybe that was a bad comparison. What what I'm getting at is just the duplicate theory where there's there's generally not room for two of the same type of player on the same six defensemen. Yeah, I I think I think they're enough different that there is room for that. Okay, Um, because uh, if to make a comparison and and I mean I I hope people aren't going to run to this and say oh this is exactly the two guys I'm comparing, but Los Angeles has uh, Doughty and Voinoff. And Boynoff a couple of years ago was a, a real dangerous offensive player. And, of course, Doughty is – I mean, there's not a defenseman I'd rather have, I don't think, in no. the NHL than Drew Doughty. So Boynoff's game kind of morphed into a, a bit of a safer game. You know, he became a second-pair defenseman that, um, you know, that could move the puck. And I think his numbers were disappointing for L.A. last year, but I guess it really didn't matter because they won the Cup. But when – when I look at the Leaf defense, however you want to number their pairs, if Gardner's on one pair and Riley's on another, I, I think that just that sets you up in great form for you know somebody that can move, somebody that can handle the puck, somebody that can be dangerous, the fourth man up in the rush on each of your top two pairs. And, man, every team would, would love to have that. And I think more teams are trying to you know, get away from the, you know, you need a, a thumper on every pair you need you know what you need is guys that can skate and move the puck and if you can't you spend the whole game in your zone and we've seen really good evidence that that's not very effective exactly when you see where the the sport is trending it's interesting because we thought out there you know is there room for two guys of that similar status i think we should be asking do you need two stay at home lumbering defensemen on the same team you know, no one throws that out. Do you need two stay-at-home guys who only try to hit and block shots and and treat the puck as if it's a live well, grenade? But you go to LA, worked for LA, all kind of kind of different, right? right? Worked they, for LA. You had Regeer, Green, and Mitchell, maybe in the blender there. In the, I mean, yeah, but again, right. would you rather have three Dowdies or three? Oh, Regeers? I agree. I Listen, mean, skill. I think debatable. skill is trumping, but you have to find a way to get that pack that puck back, and that's where I think a guy like Robida. You know, he's, he's small, he's got some skill, but he competes. Well, if if you Jake have Gardner fusion, can do that. If they have a fusion, picture, that's you just great. have to find a right mix. Right. No, and that's understandable. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, historically, people have looked at it that way. Well, if Gardner can do this and Riley can do this, then you could trade one. Well, I just, I don't think anyone ever looks at it the opposite way. Like, if you have two guys who are 6'4", 225, who could barely skate, why do you need both of them at well, the same time? I, I, would say, I would say that if you are lucky enough to draft a couple of players... Um, or acquire in a trade as as Toronto did, and you have players that can move and um, and, and can produce 
potentially what these two players can produce, you can always find your thumpers. You can find your five, six, and seven defensemen. You you can go ahead and find those guys. But finding a Morgan Riley or finding a a Jake Gardner or, or finding an Alex Petrangelo, I mean, Drew Doughty, the, the, there you go. There's the lottery right there. Yeah. I mean, that that that's what every team aspires to have, and that's what every team looks for, and lots of times they settle for less because – that's what's available. So Joe Thornton decided to uh, chime in on some of the off-season maneuverings uh, down in him. San Jose, and man, did he ever! Like he stepped up because Doug Doug Wilson. I mean, he's been very outspoken. It's been a fascinating off-season down in San Jose, which I think people expected, considering the way they went out. You know, fourth team in history to blow a three nothing lead in a playoff series. Changes were expected, but from a player personnel standpoint, the majority of the main characters are back. But Doug Wilson, the GM, has come out and said, you know, essentially we're rebuilding. You know, we're, we're tomorrow's team, quote-unquote. We're building towards that. And the media down there in San Jose asked Thornton to respond to the comments from Doug Wilson. And he said, quote, that's Doug's opinion. I think if you had asked anybody in here, I don't think they have the same feeling. We're confident with this group. Just ask these guys. I think we're pretty confident we can get the job done. And when he was asked about whether or not Wilson's statement maybe serves as motivation... Thornton said, I have enough motivation. I don't need somebody else telling me we can't do it, end quote. That comment is a big one for me, Ray. Somebody else telling me we can't do it. He's the GM. It's not like this was Ray Ferraro on EA Sports spitting this out. (laughs) This is the GM of the team, and he's looking at him as if he's some loser down the street at a sports bar. How awkward might this relationship get? Well, I can't believe it's very good. Um, And quite honestly good for joe for for standing up to it because they've you know without directly turning it on him they've had the toilet seat on his head there since they got eliminated in uh against los angeles i mean maybe if they had a goalie that could stop the puck that would have helped maybe if they go through a half a dozen other guys on that roster as well as joe that did had poor series they needed one win when they were up three nothing were they talking about any rebuild i didn't hear that then no and, and so that's that's the that's the the silly part of this from Doug Wilson, is that you know he's talking about. It, well, I think he talked himself into a corner, to be honest with you, at the start of the off season when he said, you know, there's going to be changes and there's a rebuild. And well, the only part of the rebuild that I get is they're moving Brent Burns from forward back to defense. That's pretty much it. And and so I I, I don't. They asked, and you know, Joe's at a point in his career where. He doesn't have to take a back seat to anybody, and he can go and say what he wants to say. And um, I can't imagine there's many players in his position that would have sat there and just taken it when the question was laid out like that. Yeah, I don't I, think there's there's any doubt. I, I mean, they they want to move they, on from him. Yeah, but Brian, don't you think that's a good team still? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that's... They're, they're a good team, and it's like it's like they're almost try, they're almost undermining themselves. Doug Wilson signed those guys to no trade contracts. And yeah. then they lose four straight games to L.A., and so now he wants to get rid of everybody? It, We're it, tomorrow's team? Well, he shouldn't have signed them to the contract yesterday. It's unreal, That's part right? of having a vision. Sorry. It's, it's, no, I was, I'm just jumping in on you. It, it is unreal. I was talking about it on the weekend. It's, it's unreal that San Jose is in that much turmoil when this is a team that consistently, you know, has been... You know, 100 points plus, cup contender, all of that stuff. Yes, they've, they haven't found a way to get it to that next level. But we're sitting here talking about the warts of the Toronto Maple Leafs. 
and you look around the league, there are teams in much better positions that are trying to, you know, on paper, break it down. And it's unreal. I mean, yeah, you, you went up against the LA Kings. You couldn't get it done. Yeah, you're right. If Niemi makes mixes in a save, if they find a way to get a win, mo- losing Vlasic, I think that hurt them, you know, in, in those games. But, you know, this is a team that's got tremendous depth and, and could compete right there again. And they're acting like they, they are a bottom feeder team. I, I'm not real sure where it all came from, except it sounds a little like, a little like panic to me, and I don't think they need to. They have assembled, and Doug Wilson has assembled a really good team. They have an excellent coach in Todd McClellan. And they had the Stanley Cup champions as far on the rope as you can, and they botched it. They kicked it away. They collapsed. And, yeah, there should be changes, and there was some changes, but to talk of tomorrow's team, I don't, I don't think you need to do it because all you do is gut the guys that you have there. Why can't this team infuse more young people like Tomas Hurdle as they did last year and and they will do it again again this year with Mark with Mirko Mueller, their first rounder from a year ago. He's likely to, to make their defense. But I, I don't know why you have to why you have to take a very good team and put their backs against the wall. I, I that's not gonna get it done. Add a piece or completely dismantle it one of the two but don't talk about doing both at the same time that's not possible no it's not and it's going to be really interesting to track this team this coming season uh we got a fly buddy you do as well uh literally and we'll catch up tomorrow tee up the uh leave second preseason game tomorrow night so like you guys are going to be at the rank tomorrow night oh what a thrill yeah to see you fantastic i'll be down there i'll be down there kicking around oh what is the chances hayes is wearing a suit no chance. <laughs> he has this grubby little suit jacket he wears everywhere. Sweat, sweat pseudo. It'll be a sweat pseudo, a one piece. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know, Hayes is the guy with a suit jacket bundled up in his glove box and yeah, oh, the yeah, non-wrinkle yeah. one. He just fires it out. It's for the junior, things. the junior suit. He unwrinkles from a top up top there from yep. the luggage cart three, How four times your, a year. How about your junior jacket? You could spill motor oil on that thing, and it wouldn't look any different. <laughs> Pat Falloon had the same coat the whole year. He kept it on the bus above where the baggage was. He just he would just put it on. I mean, he looked at the best of times, like he crawled out of a dumpster. And this, he would put this coat on. It was it was a thing of beauty. You guys remember Dougie's Molick? Oh yes. Light green suit every game in Los Angeles. <laughs> Spectacular. Legendary. He said, he go, and he'd come in every day and say, hey, boys, how good do I look? <laughs> you look like you did yesterday, Z. <laughs> That's a pro move. It's oh, a yeah. veteran move. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not going suit. No chance. Try and add a little, just a little class. Yeah. Come on. I'll tuck you my shirt in. I'll add some flair <laughs> just for you. <laughs> That's it. Perfect. All right, buddy. We'll see you down there tomorrow. See you there. There see he you. is. Ray Ferraro, TSN Hockey Analyst.